Cheers. Cheers. And welcome to episode 40 of Diplomacy Games. 4-0. Four 4-0. Zero. Four zero. We're getting grown up. Getting there. I'm, I'm Kana. I'm Ambi. And uh, we're still at Little Big House. Um, if you listen to our last episode. Yes. Yep. Which was two weeks ago or... Ish. Yeah, or yep. ten minutes ago. When we <laughs> stopped recording. Uh, gone straight to it. Um, so today, as part of Ambie's world trip, which is... Um, oh, we've changed drinks. I've changed drinks. Have you changed drinks? Actually, I have. I'm, I'm, I'm onto the Bulmer Cider. Oh, the Bul- oh, Bulmer Cider? Yes. I think the last time you had a Bulmer Cider, we were also on South Bank up at um, Plowin. Yeah, Plowin. That's a good pub, by the way. Um, but we're still at the Little Big House. Yep. In South Bank, which is literally um, at the train station. And um, I got a bit, I don't know, I thought the wine was okay, but nothing brilliant. But then I checked whatever else was on the wine menu and it was not much at all. And you've moved on to So I've changed up to tequila, lime juice and soda. So you're thinking Mexican? Oh, I I have got some nachos coming, Kana, so you are correct. (laughs) There we go. Um, With a bit of chilli. Big 4-0. Yeah. Who would have thunk? Who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah. Time for a party. Woo! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Fireworks. Uh, anyway, this this episode, you're, we're going to be covering an interview you had with Super Dipsy. Yep. From Playden. That's right. So this was uh, interview number two. So uh, this was one I recorded in London. Um, literally a stone's throw from the British Museum. It was at the Museum Tavern. Um, so they've got a tavern. No, no, it's just opposite the, the museum. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, the museum is... So they've got a tavern located by... The, I suppose, yeah, that makes sense. No, 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 no. So it's an independently operated tavern that is close to the museum and therefore they call it Museum Tavern. Oh, OK, I get you. Yeah, OK, I get you. <laughs> it's not owned by the museum. <laughs> oh, that would have been good, oh, though. OK. No, I kind of popped out. I kind of managed to... How old is this pub? Oh, I don't know. It's like everything in London. It's oldish. A couple of hundred years old, I guess. I don't know. Do you reckon scientists back in the day would have dropped over for a pint after discussing the lecture? Well, yeah, I, th- I think probably after they've, you know, tried to work out what the Rosetta Stone actually says and things like that, they kind of celebrate over there, maybe. A couple of cleansing ales. Okay. That's my theory. Um... So anyway, so this interview is a little bit shorter than the last one. I think the last one we did with the guys over at Diplomacy Cast yep. was like two plus hours. That's to be expected. I mean, these guys are, you know, those guys are podcasters in the first place. Yeah, you can't shut them up. Yep. <laughs> but in a good way, in a good <laughs> way. Um, so um, Tipsy is um, a, probably where he actually describes himself in, in the interview, was uh, as the, the main coder over at Play Diplomacy. Yes. Uh, we have interviewed him in the past. I that's think we right. did um, Super Dipsy and Morgue together. Yeah, that's right, yes. That was, I can't remember, 10, 15 episodes ago? Maybe more? Was it last year or the year before? Well, seeing we're now in 2019, it would be 2017 sometime, I think. Okay. So, good, to, good to catch up and see what's going on over at uh, Playgood. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy. enjoy. Yep. And uh, we'll be back in a moment. Welcome. 
Welcome, yeah. I should say welcome to you. You're in my country. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, Ambie here, and I'm being joined by Dipsy from Play Diplomacy. So, uh, cheers. Cheers, yes. You don't bang glasses when they've got beer in. That's for something when you do when you've got wine in. Do you? Well, I don't. I just oh. drink the beer, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're recording today in the Museum Tavern, which is literally across the road from the British Museum in London. Yep. Um, this is a part of my Andy's World tour <laughs> of speaking to various famous diplomacy players and people. So um, you've been good enough to kind of come all the way down from your home. From my little village that I live in, yeah. yeah. Sounds in, like a nice little place. In the heart of the Cotswolds, yeah. Oh, it's actually in the Cotswolds, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very nice too. Lovely. How's the train ride? No, the train's good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a nice journey into Marleybone, which isn't too far from here. So, yeah. yeah no, it's all right. I must admit, it's kind of, I'm having trouble with the temperature. I'm finding that everywhere inside is like cranked the temperature way up. So even though I've, you know, done the layering thing and taken off the coats and everything like that, I'm finding it's still very, very warm inside. But as soon as you get outside, it's a little bit cooler. But it's yeah. not bad today. It's got a sun. I, I do appreciate the fact that you're wearing your waistcoat in memory of Gareth Southgate, our English football manager, who has made waistcoats popular again. Oh, OK. So there you go. You're on trend. That'll be the first. <laughs> So you're also our, our first person on the um, on the podcast that we've interviewed twice now. Good heavens! Yeah, Is that yeah. right? Have you not interviewed anybody else twice? No, no. We're catching up with Captain Meme up yep. in Scotland yeah, yeah. in maybe a week and a half. Right. So he'll be a second one as well. But um, excellent. Good. Good. Yeah, yeah, we see him around on Played It. Yeah. He's, he's kind of prolific everywhere, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I know. I think he spends quite well, used to spend quite a lot of time on Webdip, doesn't he? But uh, yeah. certainly I've seen him around quite a lot on uh, Playdip, yeah. Well, I think being a university student, he's got the um, luxury of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right for some, isn't it? Yeah. Mind you, you say this having just come on your world trip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but there was like a lot of massive, um, you know, I won't say hysteric Syria, that was quite wrong, but... It was very, very busy running up to going away. Right. And I must admit, even going away now, it's been quite regimented. Like, I'm a planner, so I need to kind of have, okay, we're going to be here, about this time, here, and this time, here, and this time. So uh, it's it's been pretty full on the last two weeks, I must admit. Right. Um, my wife's coming over to join us. She's currently on the plane at the moment, so she arrives at Heathrow in about 24 hours. Excellent. And... Um, yeah, she, she's just gone through the same thing that I went through two weeks ago, which was like everything that needs to get done before you need to go. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway the exchange rate's good. What, for you? No, for you. Surely it must be for you. I mean, the pound's in the toilet, isn't it? No, but the Australian dollar's in the toilet. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. We're, we're, we're very much a commodity market, so if the, oh, right. if the minerals... If there's oh, no right. minerals boom, we're not yeah. doing very well. So the trade war doesn't help you guys, then? No, it probably actually hurts us to a certain extent. Well, a little bit because, like, if if um, China stops producing as much because America's not buying as much from China, then it actually flows through to us. So if we can get Trump and Xi playing diplomacy, then they'll stop messing about with the rest of the trade, won't they? <laughs> I'll have to invite them to come to play it. Well, I might actually had an idea, but obviously it never came off and, and never will now, which would be like to reach out to someone like two former serving heads of state. Yeah. who were in a conflict. So I originally thought, it'd be, wouldn't it be great to get someone like original George Bush Sr. and Mikhail Gorbachev to play a Cold War diplomacy game together? But um, he won't be doing that anymore. I don't think so. No. <laughs> so, 
I don't so, think I'd want to do that with Mr. Putin. I think he might. Oh, no, no, I think he'd take it way too seriously. Yes. I might have to slap him down for cheating. Well, you guys seem to be in the. Um, more in that, that situation where you're. Um, well, not public enemy number one for Mr. Putin, but he. He seems to be very much against you guys. Keeps yeah. having have a little yeah, agent who go well, on. The trouble is, his, his uh, double agents like to come and live here, and, um, and he gets upset because they talk to the West, so. He likes to get rid of them. <laughs> but, but I mean, we shouldn't be talking about the KGB, of course, but it's definitely gone downhill, hasn't it? I mean, we talk about unprofessional sort of, you know, cock-up. Yeah. I mean, anyway, yes. No, no, no. They've, they've gone a long they, way. We should go to safe subjects. Like diplomacy. <laughs> like diplomacy. Oh, yeah. So, um, with, with Playdiff at the moment, you mentioned to me uh, online that you had a lot of things that are coming down the pipeline at the mm. moment. Is that right? Do you want to talk yeah. a little bit about that? Well, yeah, it's interesting, actually, because, I mean, I've been doing this for nine years now, and um, we started off making everything work, which was nice, and not yep. fall over, um, and then uh, got to sort of trying to get a few new things going and whatever, like um, some of the variants we've got. Um, but since then, we've really been concentrating on trying to make it better for the players, and um, so most of the stuff we've been doing since then has been in that vein. I mean, one of the things we're lucky about is because we've got a very active forum, we get tons of stuff from users saying, can't we do this, can't we do that, what if we did this, wouldn't it be better if it did that? Which, of course, all ends up to make a better product. So, um, you know, it, it, it's got a lot better. So, I mean, for example, we did some stuff a, a few months ago for people using their phones, because a lot of people play on their phone now. Yeah, yeah. So we took out a lot of the old stuff that was really designed for browsers, desktop browsers, yep. and we put in nice, you know, coloured buttons and things and pull-down menus and whatever, and, and decouple things like creating a message from the game so if you lose connectivity you don't get screwed and that sort of thing, you know. How's that work? Well, it's just, you've got, um, you've actually got the message you create, and then when you try and send it, if, you, if your connection's dropped out, it just says your connection's dropped out, don't send it yet, oh. because you'll lose it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. just hold on, <laughs> and, and send it in a minute. I must admit, okay, now you explain that, I, I know exactly what you mean, because sometimes, not so much on the phone, because on the phone I'll try to keep it pretty brief, but if I'm on a keyboard, I can do quite a big, okay, we're going to do this, here's the plan, yeah, you yeah, do this, yeah, you yeah, do yeah. that, we all agree to that, and then I forget to copy it before. Hand, yeah. send it and then drop that and then you'll have all sorts of problems. It's, it's an irritation, isn't it? Yeah. And then usually, but the good part about that is then you end up summarising what you said in a much more verbose. <laughs> this, this is true. This is true. Um, no, I mean some of the stuff. I'm mean, just at the moment. Uh, one of the things that is sort of waiting to go up and we're still not quite sure we're going to write yet is um, uh, we're adding notifications. But not everybody seems to want notifications. It's one of those things which, you know, some people don't like notifications. So they say, well, no, I don't want that. And so in fact, it was interesting because... Like email notifications or something? No, 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 like, you know, on your phone. Oh, oh okay, that's yeah. up. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, so, you know, I mean, basically, uh, quite a lot of people are sort of saying, well, why do we really want to do that? Because I don't like it when things pop up on my, you know, uh, on my phone or my browser or whatever. Um, well, obviously, it's all opt-in. You don't, you don't get it if you don't want it. Yep. Um, but then, as soon as we, as soon as I floated the idea that said, well, of course, we could pop up a notification if it's an hour till deadline and you haven't put any orders in. That's people suddenly one. said, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, that's not a bad idea," because I think particularly for people who are either playing quite a few games or more likely are sort of playing at work and 
you know, just spending a little bit of time in it here and there, you can forget your deadline. Yeah. And so having something pop up on your page, provided your boss isn't looking, saying, um, you know, uh, your deadline's about to pop and you haven't put any orders in, yeah. then you can madly scramble onto it and shoot some stuff in. So That's really good. Well, I mean, I, I, we haven't put it up yet um, because the... The current notification stuff we, we're looking at, um, it requires you to set up a different sort of uh, a, a different setup for every device, yep. and that's a pain. So um, there's another supplier which we may switch to who does a better job of that. But it works fine. I mean, it's nice. You get a little plated face coming up, the man with all the knives in the back, and he says, uh, he says, oi. Yeah, we also use one of those for confirmations and yep. things, you know, particularly for live games, that's important, because um, if you don't con- confirm a live game within about five minutes, then you get kicked. Mm-hmm. So, um, but no, I mean, that, that's just about to come down the pike. But more or less, we, we're sort of, we've done all the stuff that was easy, yep. and we're now struggling with the real problems of online diplomacy, and that's where it starts getting really messy. So, I mean, you know, things like... Um, well, like anti-cheating. I mean, most people hate cheating. Yep, yep. So we put a lot of effort into uh, change the way we hunt for cheats. I mean, most people basically use IP addresses. They say, well, so. yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Boom. Excellent. Ayo. Lovely. That's good. So apologies to the listeners, but soon we'll be kind of eating no, and no, no, talking. That's right. That's right. We'll, we'll, we'll manage. <laughs> but yeah, the um, you know people. Are you? Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. Oh, we've got some brown sauce. Oh, I can tell you're in England and you guys are having brown sauce on everything. I'll have to grab her when she comes by and tell her some brown sauce. Um, yeah, I mean, the IP addresses is the way a lot of people do those sorts of things, and it's a sledgehammer to cracking up sort of thing. I mean, what do you do when you've got people in the same college or the same school or the same room playing? What do you do when you've got family members playing? Um, you know, it just, it, it just makes a mess of it. So we've actually developed a an artificial intelligence engine now which we've been running for about four or five months and it's just revolutionized the whole thing it requires very little effort from us now Um, you know it it does most of the work and throws up the um, you know the the positives um, for then a human to go and get involved a mod just to go and have a quick look and see if it's if it's a good call or not because I mean you can never be 100% guaranteed it can what it does is it colour codes things and prioritises things so it will throw you the ones that it's pretty damn sure of cheating Um, and then you know somebody can go and investigate it and just make sure but but it doesn't require a lot of effort Um, and as a result we're actually we had a flurry once we put that up we had a flurry of sort of getting rid of some people who are being naughty um, and then after that it's settled down now um, we're getting very little which is good because I mean it's one of the things that drives diplomacy players nuts oh yeah yeah um, but the real challenge I think for all diplomacy sites well that's not true it depends what you want to be right as a diplomacy site but for us anyway the real challenge is we want the game to survive we want the hobby to survive yep and we and have grow. a number of different and grow and, and there are a number of different communities. So you've got the serious diplomacy players who want to have serious games of diplomacy, nobody surrendering, lots of communication, um, and get very upset when somebody joins the game and 
is a learner, for example, or uh, well, unless they happen to be neighbours, that's fine. You don't, you don't mind having a neighbour who's a learner because you can squash it. Um, but but, but you know, you get the so, so it's um, it, it, you've got that group, but, but then you've also got um, the group of the fun seekers. You know, the, the, the guys who the students who um, you know they want to play in their dorm, you know, and have a laugh and. Um, uh, some of the more studenty types, uh, you know, have a different view of what's permissible in terms of language and communication and mm. things, which some of the more dyed-in-the-wool diplomacy players don't like. Yep. So you've got to find a way to handle that without, you know, I mean, uh, for instance, uh, you know, some of the serious players, they say if anybody uses the F word, well, you should be, you know, warning them and then suspending them and kicking them out, you know. Wow, really? And you say... Sorry, have you have you talked to any young people lately? <laughs> I mean, it's but you know, it's I must admit, I mean, there's. I know from my perspective, there's has been within the V diplomacy world certain keywords that have created issues. You know what I mean? Probably not, probably not the F word, but more the C word. Um, well, and, and the racially and the racially ones, of course. So I mean, I can understand in those circumstances the need for somebody to. At least come in and say, "Hey, think of others around here. That you know, people have yep. kind of got some concerns with your language, and you don't really need. I mean, there's, there's no need to actually do that in a, in a game anyway. I mean, unless of course your motivation is deliberately to piss people yeah, off. Exactly. Some people use it as a tactic. Yeah. I mean, you know, we get people. I had one just recently. Somebody saying, you know, this guy in my game just keeps messaging me saying I'm an effing retard. Mm. Um, and I don't like it. I think it's inappropriate. And my answer was, well, it's a game that has a lot of emotion in it. Um, you don't have to read messages. Somebody, and to be honest, what the better players tend to say is they say, if somebody's getting carried away with their language, it's a brilliant excuse to get everybody to team up and, and annihilate them. <laughs> I mean, it's a great, it's a great sort of uh, joy. The question is whether whether they're doing it to a number of players or not. In which case, it naturally lends itself towards a um, yeah, yeah. A bad language alliance yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, I mean, within I know within again VDIP and I think also within WebDIP, you can kind of ban players so you don't play against them in the future. So literally, you can't join the game. Is there something similar to that within PlayDIP? Not in the game side, no. Only on the forum side. I mean, okay. obviously, if it's not an anonymous game, you can see who's in it, so you don't join it if you don't want to. But one of the reasons we never put that in is because, in our view, that is very restricted. I mean, for instance, if I say such and such is on my phone list and I won't play a game with that person, if I now go and join a hundred games, that person who's on my phone list can't join any of those games. Yep because they can't play against me. True, it also works the other way though, which I mean, I've, I've experienced where, presumably I've been blocked by players. Actually, that's exactly what you're saying. Actually, it is what you're saying, because like, um, you might have 20 games that are available to join, and you kind of look at it and say, oh, well, 20 games available, then you go into it, there's like only four games there. So, what that tells me is, <laughs> I've got people in, you know, 16 games that are I've pissed off at some stage. Yeah. But it works the other way. I mean, I've, I've blocked players in the, in the past. Not too often, I'm quite judicious with blocking. And I think I've, blo I've blocked two players. One, I can't I remember why. One, I can't remember why. 
And I think I mentioned uh, probably about 12 months ago on the podcast, I got to a stage where like, I couldn't remember really why I blocked them, and I thought, oh, well, I'll unblock them. And since that time, I've had one other altercation with one of those players, so I'll probably end up re-blocking them again in the future, but haven't yet. So I'll probably forget again and then rejoin a game and then realise, oh, that's right. Well, that was our main justification for not doing it, because it... Okay, we're, we're, we're back again. I don't know if everyone heard that big whack. <laughs> the, uh, the lovely um, staff here managed to take away the... Uh, what would you call it? Like a prop that we were holding up the recorder against, which caused it to kind of blank out. So yep. it's with it's the red, red lights on, so we're all yeah, good. It's going again now. Yeah, I mean, that's why we don't do it. it it's, we decided it's too restrictive. And, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's... That's just an example of the sort of the stress points. I mean, we've done a number of things to try and alleviate this, um, you know, these sort of different different needs for different groups. I mean, one of the things we did some time ago is we introduced friends games. Yep. Um, you know, where friends games, we basically say more or less we're just going to stand back. We, we won't have anything to do with them. We're not going to try and bet them or monitor them. The only thing we will do is there are some things. I mean, it's very basic, but there are some things you can't do. So if you post porn. Yep, then you'll be done, right? But more or less in Friends games, it's uh, you can do what the hell you like. Um, so in fact, people use Friends games to play at college with their mates because they often want to do things like saying, right, since you stuffed me last night, I'm coming after you tonight, you know, which, which normally we would call that metagaming. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but that's fine. If it's in a Friends game, fine, go for it. <laughs> um, and also people use Friends games for things like... It's amazing different innovations people think of. Some people want to try doing um, sort of World War One type, yeah. um, where, where you know you've got pre-assigned alliances yep. and things. You know, um, but the real thing that friends games bring is we used to have the situation where if you had a group of people who knew each other playing and then somebody dropped out and you got a replacement come in. The replacement would usually find it very unpleasant because all the guys there know each other, and they say, "Well, you you don't belong here. You're not one of us." So they just annihilate you, quit. Right? Yep. Well, with the friends game now, you can't do that because they're all password protected. So um, you know, it's, it's no danger. Um, but that's helped. Um, we've also got our player classes, which I think I've mentioned before. But um, if you play so many games without surrendering, right from the beginning to the end. Um, then you go up from being what's called a diplomat to being an ambassador. And now you can set up games that are ambassador-only games, yep. which means you've at least got a bit more assurance that people are playing with the serious and aren't going to be just dropping out at the drop of the hat. Um, but it is, the, it is the big issue, you know, how, how far do you go with trying to support the newbies, the uh, bringing people into the game, and also letting the... Um, you know, the old hands and, and the, the serious hobbyists yep. continue to enjoy it, you know. I'm, I'm also trying to give you an opportunity to eat your, your lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but right. um, one thing I've, I've been interested in is when it comes to the size of the various communities, I mean, there's usually around about 450, 500 active players, say, within V Diplomacy at any point of time, like you're playing games. Play diplomacy has a lot more, usually around up to about two, three thousand. What about play here? Um, in terms of active players, we're probably less than ten thousand. Wow. Um, I mean, on the books, obviously, they, you know, we're, we're well over two hundred and fifty thousand, but 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 they don't necessarily play anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, a good measure That's what is I expected, yep. a good measure is that we've got about one and a half thousand who actually are premium members. Mm. Um, well, if you're going to bother to pay an annual subscription, you're probably playing. Because if you're not playing, then you don't bother with your annual yep. subscription, right? So, um, so that's a good guy. But in fact, on top of that, we've got it varies two, three, four, five thousand non-premium players, you know, sort of who are relatively active. What we do is, I'm sure everybody else does this, but um, I mean, you know, I've talked to you before about our rating system, but yep. we drop people off the rating system uh, if they've not been active brilliant. for three months. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a, um, a way of managing that rating system. I think what you do is just spot on. And I'd love to see the other diplomacy sites do something like that because, I mean, again, within, um, say, indeed, the number one guy literally is like, he just doesn't play because he's got his number one ranking. And literally, it's almost in, the way the rating systems work, it's almost impossible for him to actually increase his rating. The only way he can go at the moment is going backwards because he's playing players who are theoretically worse than himself. So even if he wins, the way the rating system works, it expects him to win. So it doesn't necessarily give him any added bonus as opposed to the risk of a draw or a loss um, would kind of kick him down from like number one to tenth or something like that. So um, I, I really like that degrading I suppose of you know if you haven't been online for a period of time mm-hmm. you start naturally degrading the ranking um, and that really should actually then encourage good players to continue to participate oh, yeah. which is great for the game and great for everyone else because you learn so much more from when you play a good player you and do. they stab you good and you go okay well I'm going to learn from that hopefully yeah. <laughs> No, I've been very happy with the rating system. I mean, you know, it had a few teething issues. Uh, there were a few. I mean, you know, it's an ELO, it's an ELO yeah, style yeah. rating, but um, it had some initial issues with uh, uh, balancing and uh, not getting any devaluation and that sort of thing. And there were one or two sort of gaming approaches that came in, which we had to sort of sort out. The most common being that if you joined games with lots and lots of newbies you could generally build up quite a good rating just by thrashing newbies and so we close that avenue off now as well so um, and you know a good mark is that our top rated player on on play I said we had 19 people go to the world diplomacy championships in Washington Um, our top rated player made the final table so in a sense that's sort of some confirmation that the rating system is is in some level accurate because he appeared to do the best that's that's excellent (laughs) Um, do you find um, do you find with players at the moment within the the play dip environment that there is much difference between when they I mean obviously he had a good experience within the, 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 the WDC environment is there much of a crossover within like the local communities at all? Do you know if any online players in play play face to face? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, for instance, um, just uh, in November we had a um, a thing in Derby where it was a it's like a board game convention. Oh yeah. And so uh, there were some diplomacy games there, and we had a bunch of play dippers go there. Um, we had. Uh, some of our Scottish contingent come down with whiskey. Um, with whiskey. <laughs> well, one of the uh, one of the ladies who plays with us is uh, 
has a good source of uh, very good Scottish alcohol and uh, bought a bottle down. I, I didn't go, um, but I did hear good reports about the whisky. Excellent. Um, with all the type of changes that you're talking about there, it sounds like you've obviously got some people involved who actually have a bit of a coding background. Are you reliant on one or two people to help with that? Or? It's me. You. You're the coder. I'm it. Yeah. So what was your background? What got you in, why, why are you Software. A, huh? Software. Software. Okay. I used to write serious systems. I mean, you know, I used to uh, develop software that... Uh, Runs most of the big companies in the world, for example. Yeah. Visa, and, you know, Bank of America, and like that. Okay. So, in a sense, working with players is quite fun because I'm used to having to make things that, that don't fail. <laughs> because it's a bit difficult when you have to explain to Visa why Visa went down and, you know, they then start telling you how much it cost them. So, yeah. um, you know, basically you have to write stuff that works. Um, but it's been quite entertaining, really. I, I did it as a hobby. Yeah, um, and it's just been a complete change of pace to what uh, you know my my profession is. And earlier on, you actually quite a few times during the uh, the discussion, you you said we a lot. So who are the royal? I mean, royal we as in no no no. no, no it, <laughs> so who who's the we? Well, the we is played it, mm. but I mean although I do all the coding. We've got other people, for instance, who do the maps. Yeah. I don't do the maps, that's too hard. Um, and Especially when sucking into the forum games, yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, one of the things that's interesting in Playdip is, is that obviously we took a route that says we didn't go for having masses and masses and masses of maps, like you do on v. Yeah. Because our view was, well, but if you just play the same game on a different map, well, why is that interesting? I mean, it may be, you know, and there may be some maps that are brilliant, but, but essentially, we try to look for something that's different. Um, so, as in, like, we what, put rule change wise? Or? Well, we put uh, America, uh, I mean, we put Ancient Meta, of course, because yep. that's a five player game, and we put 100 up because that's a three player game, so that makes it's a different sort of game. Yep. Right? 1900 was, I suppose, the closest we did to just putting up a different map. But then 1900, with its rule chains and so on, is, is trying to make it a more balanced game. So that seems a bit, you know, a viable thing to do. We put Versailles up because Versailles is a different sort of diplomacy because, of course, you've got two countries, of which one of them is anonymous. So you've got all sorts of scope for misdirection and, and whatever else. Yeah, well, um, I must admit, I'm, I'm still. Urgently, not urgently, that's the wrong word. I'm, I'm still um, waiting in anticipation for somebody to port across um, Versailles into the, the PHP diplomacy community, into you know, WebDip or VDIP or something like that, because um, as a variant, it has just got so many oh. intricacies which you can just have, you can go to, you know, have oh, yeah. a field day with um, over and above your normal standard run of the game, mm. you know. So um, I think that would be. and. That would be a real great opportunity. So it's it's good that again that the investment's been made over and played up in that to be able to support that particular game. We also don't we don't put new variants up that haven't had been some playtesting. Yeah. So we look for ones that you know are reasonably well playtested and balanced. Um, and then of course we put 
variants on top of the variants. So yeah, yeah. we have things like God of War and, and uh, you know the, the one where you start with one unit instead of three and, yep. and all, the, all that sort of stuff. And in fact, the escalation is pretty quite interesting. That's quite fun escalation. Um, uh, and then, it, of course, we added the um, the two player challenge thing. Um, as a re- I mean, a lot of people just want to introduce a friend to the game. Yeah. And the option they had before was to use the the rules based two player game. You know, where one person plays half the countries and the other one plays the other half of the countries, and Italy's neutral. Yeah. Right. But that's a bit of a, it's a that's a bit of a silly game. Well, it's only um, good just to understand yeah. how, how unit movements work. So, the, the, I mean, the two-player challenge game is much more fun because um, you've each got one country mm-hmm. on a standard map or whatever you're playing it on, and um, somebody's the defender and somebody somebody's the attacker, and you've got 12 years. All right. So, basically, it changes the whole strategy because the attacker has to get to 18 within the 12 years or he loses. So with that, all the defender has to do yeah. is hold him off for twelve years, and, and then uh, and then he wins. So it's quite a nice balance. And with that, is that where you, like literally you'll play a normal country? So like you'll play <laughs> England or Turkey <laughs> or whatever like that, rather than say you've got half the board already. In the other no, 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 that's exactly board. right. Okay. So I mean, the, the, the default one, which is arguably the best balanced is it's Austria against France mm-hmm. with France defending and Austria attacking because yeah. if you think of the map in your head you can see Austria's got quite a lot of scope to get a fair amount of centres fairly quickly yeah. but France if they do it right can set up quite a, an impressive uh, defensive line mm-hmm. and the issue is you know who wins in the struggle yeah. if France tries to overtake Austria He'll probably lose, but if he just tries to hold him off, that's a different question. No, I mean, so, so it's 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 just a different way of looking at it, but it's quite fun. It's um, entertaining. Yeah, and, and that, that position, the position on the classic board, I think, would be really good as well with the fact that you've got Switzerland there, which presumably is still impassable. That creates added yep. barriers to a um, yep. um, being able to defend. You have to do a lot of counting to eighteen, though. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get another. Beer? How about you, um, Well, yeah, I'll have another just a half of the junction this time. I, I was here at twelve, oh, right. so I mean, so you I, started. I started some way before you. So, so actually, I did, we didn't do our, our beer pairing. So um, I've got the Green King IPA, which I think is more like a local, it's not local. It's well, Green, it's a Green King's beer. a big year. It's yeah. a session beer, so that means it's not very strong. Ah, okay. Yeah. So what's the Stanbrook's Junction like? It's good. Yeah. I should probably go and go ask. Go try it. So you want another one or not? Um, I'll just have a half. A half. Just a half. I'm not proud. <laughs> I'll pause for a moment and be back in a second. No, it's okay. good. So we've got some more beer, which is always a good yep. thing. I'm onto the Sandbrook's Junction. That's what I was drinking to start with. In the hour before you guys arrived. <laughs> I'd, I'd offer it to you. Apparently then, we don't do go that. Go on. <laughs> It's not bad. No, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I, I must admit, I, I do miss my um, my English beers. So, um, so I don't know if I mentioned to you before. We used to live in the UK for about two and a half years. Mm. So um, that's what Sam said. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the type of thing where um, walking through the streets and going to like something as bizarre as like Tesco or Waitrose or Credit Majeur, you kind of you, you kind of it feels very much like a second home. You know what I mean? Mm. But anyway, um, 
can't remember where we were up to. Um, <laughs> I don't know, we were just shooting the breeze. I think we were talking about the two-player challenge. But yeah, we were, so that's right, yeah. I think we sort of knocked that one dead. Um, I mean, the big thing, which is hovering in the background, and it may never see the light of day, but um, I've been toying with some AI stuff based around our records, because we've got now... Many. Probably about 140,000 game records. Um, and so there's a lot of data there. Yep. And what I've been looking at is putting together an AI which will basically learn from the data that's there and play diplomacy. Okay? Would it still talk to you? Well, that at the moment, the communication stuff is fairly basic, and I don't know that it's going to ever... I mean, I've, I've got no real interest in putting it into some sort of, you know, natural language sort of stuff. So, at the moment, the communications is, like, of the order of... Um, if I support this and you support that, do you agree? Okay, so there's no interpretation required of the language that's used in the response it's more tick this box if you want to do this so why would you go down that path what would well what do you mean why why would you have an AI why would you I mean based on the fact that you do have such a large player base and presumably at any point of time anyone can kind of get a game well yeah but in a sense that's the other thing is it just for all those people who kind of piss off every other players no not quite (laughs) the more serious thing it's for is for surrendered countries. Right, yep. Because it's all very well saying somebody oh. get somebody to come in to so take over con- the country. So continue to play a game mm. as, a, as the AI yeah. until someone replaces it? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, because often when somebody surrenders, the position may be so poor that uh, you're unlikely actually to get anybody going in to take over. Right. But at least if you have a semi-intelligent brain <laughs> operating it, then it's not such a gimmick. I mean, you know, whenever somebody surrenders, you, you always look at it, and if it's not one of your neighbours, you know, you're thinking, you lucky what sits over there because you're going to get the benefit of all this. Well, if it's taken over by a, something that wants to play, yep. then it, it just it helps to keep the balance of the game. But the other thing is, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how it works on VDIP, but even with the small number of variants we have, and then, of course, remember we've got the variants on top of the variants, like, you know, from the war and so on. Although we've got a lot of active members, often people who want to start a game that's anything other than fairly straightforward options has to wait a week or so to get it full. Yep. Because it's just, you know... Then there's also the fact that, like, we've got parents who want to bring their kids on board introduce them to the game that they enjoy for example right those terrible parents um and it's all very well saying yeah okay that's fine but don't you'll need to do it in friends games because if you do it in ranked games and you're sort of saying right son now do this and i'll support you you know well that's not really fair is it to the other players um so what you can do of course is you can say well okay there's three or four of us we can just fill the other slots up with um ai at the moment, the way we do that is when you create a game, you are able to say, please put the following countries into civil disorder. Yeah. 
So if there's only three of you, for example, you can either play normal three-handed, yep. or you can play a proper game, but just put the other countries in civil disorder. Yep. Uh, which of course isn't really a proper game at all, but uh, you know it, it's a route. But to have an AI to do it might be useful. Um, no, from what you've explained, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, initially when you said it, I thought I, I, I didn't interpret the need to kind of uh, help fill a, a CD position, or alternatively, if you've only got three people and you want to play a, mm. a friend's game and you don't necessarily want to have others involved, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so that's something that, what, you're just this concept at the moment, or you're doing some basic coding well, or testing? Well, I've been messing with it, but I keep getting distracted. So the notify <laughs> stuff has distracted me again. So, do you, do you, so from that point of view, do you like, do you like have a little, like a little um, a run sheet, not a run sheet, but like a... You know, a list or whatever like that, whatever way you want to project manage it around, here's what you want to do and here's when you want to get to it. Nope. It's just in, in your own good time. Yeah. Whatever, if, whatever happens to inspire you at that period. Sometimes people make a suggestion. In fact, we just had one yesterday and I looked at it and I thought, right, I'll do that tomorrow. Yep. I guess it depends on the nature yeah. of the change. You know, it's, it's easy. Something that's, that's it's something that looks like it'd be quite useful. I mean, believe it or not, it's really stupid. Not stupid, it's really minimal in that somebody said on my list of games where it says what the game name is and so on could it say what country I'm playing right well of course it does say what country you're playing as soon as you go into the game yep. but his point was I play lots of games and when I see the game is called you know I'll see you in the summer yep. I can't remember which game that was but if you say it's that one where you're playing Russia which you happen to be doing very then well then I'd in, say go, oh, oh right. yeah. no, that's, the, that's the one I care about that one um <laughs> It's just little things like that, which are you know, almost trivial, but it just makes life a bit easier, and it's so easy to do. I mean, we're going to change in the um, Versailles. If you want to play with our what we call our Age of Empires option, which is where you only start with one unit, what normally happens is you start with your one unit in the capital of the country. Um, but on Versailles, one of our um, very smart guys has done some statistics and worked out that that actually unbalances the game quite a lot for Versailles because, oh, of, because of where the capitals are. Yeah, yeah. So he's actually proposed, Fr- could we please much... move the starting for the following countries to these places for the following reasons, right? And so we slapped up a poll and people have voted and four of the five changes he suggested we're going to make. Yeah. And to make them is just a matter of, you know, half an hour. Um, so, no, there isn't a list, but it just happens. It depends what, what I'm interested in doing in the end. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I can imagine what you just said there makes a lot of sense for someone like France, where with Paris being so close to mm. Munich, um, mm. but does it cannot work the other way? Like, is it... Do you, do you have, like, an alternate capital that's set, which is... Balanced, or you have the right to be able to choose the capital because presumably then you. Well, uh, I don't know. If you want to choose capitals, you'd like, for example, England. You said as then then you want to play. If you want to choose capitals, you should be playing escalation. Right. Because escalation. Have you played escalation? No, no. Well, do you know the only only, only games I've played on on play dip that I've played is like classic games, and then a couple of forum games. I think you may have explained the last one, but mm. please remind me. So it's just I've had many drinks since then. You just there's nothing on the board. Yep. And each player places a unit yep. in turn. And 
what we do is we do it with a with a snake that turns around and comes back again. So, in other words, country one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then seven places is second unit, six, five, four, three, two, one, and okay. then one places is third unit, pop, 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 right? And that can be anywhere on the board, is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, doesn't have to be on SCs, can be on any way like that. Oh, okay. Um, and, well, otherwise you wouldn't, you know, it, 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 you may well choose not to put them on SCs, but, but well, you what you do have to be careful of is that at the end of the first build period, uh, sorry, at the beginning of the first build period, you now have to say what your national centres are. Yep. So, because of course, since you've been putting pieces anywhere, you, you know, you don't have national centres to start with. <laughs> so, so you actually have to say what they are, and to say what they are, you have to own them. So if you have put your pieces in a way that by the end of the year you've only got two supply centres, forevermore you will only have two national centres. Okay. Right. But at least it gives you some choice. Of course, the issue with escalation is, is, is trying to decide trying to decide how much you want to try and put your pieces on the board in a clump yep. and how much you want to try and break up other people's clumps. Yeah, yeah. And we don't allow negotiation in the uh, placement phase. Is that an option to kind of turn that on, though? Could do. It's interesting. Well, if you, if, if, if you had no one asking for it, presumably no one really cares. So well, it's no, not... we could do it, actually. Yeah. Do, you, do you find, though, with uh, adding all these different options, does it complicate the game? Well, like we often, often, often the idea yeah. is, you know, for any software, you try to keep things as, yeah, yeah. as simple, yeah. as basic as possible. Mm. Um, the risk is, naturally, you want to be able to help your customer base, help your audience... Mm. Um, but at the same time, by adding more and more things in, it's often people miss what's available. Exactly. We often have that discussion. People throw up a suggestion saying, can we do this? Can we do that? Yep. Um, we always say, look, we need to be careful. We've already got, in a way, too many options. So if we want to add more, we should be thinking about which ones we want to take away. Yep. Um, because otherwise, like I said, you, you get to a point where games don't start because there's too many choices and people say, ah yes, but I want to play Versailles and I want to play Fog of War Versailles, but I don't want it to be built anywhere, right? Yeah. So, you, you know, it, it sort of segregates the, the um, playing audience. Yeah, okay. um, so you have to think carefully about what you have. I mean, we've got. There, we have a poll of adding new variants, and, and there's various ones that are riding fairly high on that poll. Um, I think the War in the Americas is one. War in the Americas? What's that one? It's. Um, Not American and Black. North American and South American. Oh, it's just one versus one. No, 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 no. No, no. It's, it's, it's a proper diplomacy game. Oh, okay. Yep. But the setting is mostly focused around. The, the Americas, North and yeah, South okay, America, yeah, yeah, and, and whatever. Um, How many players is that? Do you remember? Well, in the Americas, I'm pretty sure it's seven. Okay. Mm. Pretty sure. There's some weird rules, though. Mm -hmm. um, then, of course, there's um, Colonial. Oh, the yeah. reason we've hesitated with Colonial before is Colonial is fairly well known to be pretty unbalanced. Mm -hmm. um, that's the one with the railway line going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trans, 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 tr
So we're just, you know, I mean, there have been some other. What was, what was that one that somebody. I mean, one of our smart guys has come up with something that's really interesting, which is this Russian based um, game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Disillusion. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played, I've played that. Yeah, that, that's quite good. I, I'd be tempted to try to get that on, on the main side. I, how, how would you do that, though? I mean, with the, the rules that everything's are involved... Everything's possible. With the, everything's possible. Yeah, theoretically it is. I mean, because no pun intended kind of introduced me to that particular game. And yeah. I think it was also one of the games in that tournament of time that our team is in, um, which I did very, very poorly. In. <laughs> but that's, that's neither here nor there. But... I'm trying to remember the way... I suppose it could work with the way that you distribute your votes for nuclear powers and provided you wrote the game engine correctly to be able to interpret that. The coding would work. Just trying to remember this. There's a couple of other smaller tweaks in the way it works, though. I haven't looked at it in detail. I mean, I need to go through it. But anything is possible. That's my view with software. You can do anything if you try. Except the one thing I have never worked out how to do is how to actually get my favourite game onto the internet, and I cannot work out how to do it. What is it, a diplomacy game, or is it something totally different? No, no, no. no. Uh, we probably shouldn't even talk about it on a diplomacy interview. Half <laughs> the listeners will turn off. Well, it, it, I mean, uh, I, my personal favourite game, the game I play with my friends, is uh, called 18, well, 18XX games. They're railway games. Oh, okay. Um, if you've ever played the computer game Railroad Tycoon in the past... No, but I know of it, yep. That was modelled on the 18xx games. But the guy who, built the, uh, who designed the games actually um, designed them specifically because he loved diplomacy, except for the fact that it's a game in which people get eliminated. And he didn't want people to get eliminated because then... You know what it's like if you've got an evening when the close game you're the first out. What are you going to do? You're yep. going to do the washing up, I suppose, or yep. get the teas or whatever. You know, but it's a bit. It's a bit. Yeah. Um, so he devised these games specifically so there's no luck, um, but nobody ever gets knocked out. And in fact, fascinatingly, it is incredibly hard to tell who's winning at any stage. Um, you can. You can be dead and buried, and yet you can still win. I know you can do that in diplomacy as well. I mean, there have been famous examples of people taking over one centre countries and won with them. I have never done that, but then I'm a rubbish diplomacy player. So So what got you into diplomacy in the first place? Um, How long have you been playing for? I played at college. Right. Because I went to Oxford and and we had a a games club there, and I, I played diplomacy at college. That's how I got into it. And then I had a long time away from it. And then, it seems to be the way that the arc that most diplomacy yeah. plays. They usually get involved around high school, college. Yeah. Then they kind of go off, have a career, have we, families, and then they start getting tr- back into it later on. Yeah, I mean, that's why we try so hard to keep that group of players in, because yeah. they're the, going to be the future. I mean, I think I've told you before about our school stuff. That yeah, yeah. Um, and that's going gangbusters. Uh, you know, in the last three or four weeks I think there's been about eight new schools joined um, now again just like with, with you know with our user membership base um, some of those schools tried it and didn't like it and haven't done it again yeah. um, but we have quite a number who come back every year we've got um, I was talking to one of the teachers who's uh, I think he's now on his fourth year 
producing uh, played it yep. his uh, uh, colonial studies well, I can't remember what the course is or international oh, yeah, international yeah. relations yeah, yeah. or something like that um, and uh, that's something that we greatly want to encourage because it's getting the game exposed I mean a lot of those students they only do it for the course and then they bugger off but um, some of them make proper user IDs and stay and, and become members of the community you know because they enjoy it I mean you think, even if it's like just one in 20 or something like that yeah. that's yeah. one more than you had yesterday yeah. and if they become involved and become committed to the game then it's just helping the community yeah because yeah. no doubt there are also older players who are getting to a stage where they just give it up or mm. don't want to play anymore or, or will still pass on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in fact, that makes me think there is something which I'm guilty of. I, shouldn't have, I should have put it up by now and I haven't. I've got it already. Uh, one of the things that we've done, sort of, which is very similar to the schools thing, is um, we've got a tournament director game, a tournament game. Oh, yeah. Um, because the sort of powers that a teacher has in a schools game are, can do things like assign players to particular countries, um, uh, switch players in and out, uh, force a turn to run if they want to, that sort of thing, right? And we suddenly realised that would be really useful if you're running a tournament, because I don't know what it's like on VDIV, but when we run tournaments uh, and somebody drops out, it's a real pain. Oh, yeah. um, and also each round, when you say, right, well, now it's so-and-so's turn to have France, you know, then you've got to try and organise it so that everybody gets the right country. Whereas yep. if, the, if the tournament director could just sit there and say, right, you're France, you're England, you're, England, you're Germany, you're Germany, then it would be so much easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I... Um I've only once been a tournament director, and I set that up for 1066, which is the variant that I created. And um, I kind of, I kind of made a little spreadsheet to be able to track it and everything like that, and try to work out who was for which country to make sure that everything was balanced, so that you played the same country twice, but you played other players playing your opposing teams and things like that. And even then, I stuck up. So um, that would be one thing that would be useful for a tournament director, where you pretty much go, okay, what's well, a X number of player game, what happens to yep. be the case, and I want to be able to have a balanced thing, so yep. you randomly generate it, please, Mr. Computer, yep. and it just blah, 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 and then does it yep. for you. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah I keep, keep forgetting to do it, but I really should, because it's all ready. Mm. Oh, well. So anything else in the, um, the world of plate, if you wanted to touch on today? The only other thing is... I've got a feeling that at some point somebody might want to do some sort of fairly serious project with our data mm. because there, there was, had been a university study done a couple of years ago around well, diplomacy players and what they say and their propensity oh, right, to okay. stand oh okay that's interesting I'd love to see that yeah um, I could probably send find me, it send me yeah. a link or something I, we, we did speak about it on the podcast like probably right. 12 plus months ago but yeah, it was like um, someone had studied, like an actual university had studied, or someone who's also doing their, their thesis or whatever like that, what people have said and then when they were most likely to stab. And right. it seemed to be a case, usually when someone provided too much information, that was usually the time that they were about to stab. Well, I was thinking more of the, the more statistical element. Mm. Um, that is... For example, I mean, to some extent, it's what I'm already looking at for the AI, but um, look at all the games where a such, a, such, such and such a country soloed, 
what were their opening moves. Yeah. Um, just statistics that you know are we, as I say what it really comes down to is we've got 150,000 games with all the moves everything there um, you could do quite a lot of statistical analysis if you wish to and I'm not sure exactly what you'd learn so do you have anything like that at the moment in Playdip? what? so like in VDIP you can kind of go into a variant and go down and gives you a breakdown of all the games and who's soloed how many people has drawn how many people have yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like that yeah, and yeah. then from there you could theoretically go and say okay well I'm playing a yeah, exactly. seven player classic I'm playing as Italy and then you can go yeah. say okay give me all the results for where Italy is won or whatever and yeah, you can do you can that look at that but but it does actually require you know great then go back and you actually it. then have to go and look at all the games to see what happened and but, so on okay I occasionally do this because I know other players do it you know what I mean? And it's a type of thing where, I don't know, I think it kind of detracts from the nature of the game. If you, you, you tend to be gaming the system, don't you think? You've got to be careful of that, yeah. I mean, we, we, have, this, we have this come up every now and then, and, you know, where people say, um, is it right that somebody has said in our game what this player's record is? Yep. Because when his record is it does gets a lot of solos and doesn't share many draws, then maybe that makes it less likely people will ally with him, you know, and so on. Um, in the end, our view is, if, you know, if a player is concerned about that, they'll play anonymous. That's true. Yeah. And in fact, having said that, that there is actually um, a serious suggestion that's been going around some time now about should all games be anonymous. Um, because as soon as it's not anonymous, you know, you've got all sorts of issues and, and whatever. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, with some players you've played before, I'm far more wary of what they're saying. If I know prior history, yeah. just in with me. And other players will be far more yeah. open and collegiate, you know what I mean? And but, but then you see you get this different attitude again. I, I've, had, I've had some fascinating things recently where people said... Um, I'm in an anonymous game and this person has told me who they are. That can't be right. And I had to go back and say, they've told you who they are. What you mean is, they have given you a name and said that's them. <laughs> Does that mean that's who they are? I could say, I'm Conk, our best player, right? Yep. I actually, I probably wouldn't do that because then everybody might attack me. I could say, <laughs> I am somebody at the bottom of the list, right? Um, and it seems, some people, you know, they say, but no, 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 but he, he just said who he is. And I said, yes, but he might not be telling the truth. There's certainly been a great press happening there. Yeah, I mean, we have a few lines which are, um, we don't allow screenshots. Yep. Um, and again, we had a big debate about that. People we saying, well, why not? Um, it's perfectly reasonable to send screenshots because you can change them. So you can still lie. You oh, yeah. might not be telling the truth. And our argument to that is, no, that's a little unfair. Because you're right, but probably 95% of our playing community wouldn't know how to do that. And in fact, most of those players would assume if it was a screenshot, it was 100% it was guaranteed. Yep. They wouldn't even really enter their head that somebody could have manipulated it. So basically you just say no, no screenshots, not allowed. No fake news. Um, well, you can publish what you like in the public press, <laughs> no, but, but it's, it's the screenshots that aren't allowed. I mean, there are people... But, but you're right, though. It's no different to what you or someone would actually say in public press, but 
the issue is how many people would actually go to the hard yard to then manipulate an actual screen. Yeah. I mean, we have this as well with this always a regular debate that comes up every now and then, which is one of those real polarising debates about should people be allowed to forward messages from other countries. Um, and, of course, the way our interface works, which it's probably the same with email, um, it's just like forwarding an email in that you can change the message to say what the hell you want. Yep. But the difference is everybody knows that because they used to do that with emails. Yep. So you're not catching someone out by forwarding them a message from Germany and they think, well, that's got to be true because I can see the message in front of me. Yep. They probably will think it's true, but they know deep down you might have changed that. Yeah. And it does, of course, give Germany the scope to come back and say, he changed that message. That's not what I sent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some people say you shouldn't even be allowed to do it. It shouldn't be an option. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm not, I don't agree with that. I think that's a perfectly legitimate tactic uh, because of the fact that you, you're not necessarily telling the truth. Yep. You have to have an element of doubt for the game to work. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's been good. Yeah. I've got a very full belly. How about you? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Thank you very much, Tipsy. Cheers. Cheers. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. Still on your tequila. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, that was a good interview. Yeah. I actually got a bit out of that. Cool. What'd you get out of it? Well, okay. The first thing that jumps to mind. Mm-hmm. It's probably the first thing that jumped to my mind too. I reckon. Yeah. Is how awesome. And, and just, just logically thinking, you've got all these games sitting there, you've got all these movements which people have made, using that to develop an AI, an artificial intelligence for taking over dead countries. Yeah, as you may have picked up in the interview, when Dipsy started talking about this, I thought, I've misinterpreted what the purpose of the AI was. I thought it was very much, you know, if you wanted to play against a computer. But it's not a... That's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose, obviously, is when you have someone who CDs, and instead of having a position that's just easily cannibalised by everybody... It's still moving. It's still doing things. It's still doing still. things and still putting up a good fight. I, I think it's a great addition. Okay, so so here's, here's, a couple, here's a question that wasn't brought up, but I think is worthwhile bringing up. Is that okay? You've got all this AI, you've got all these games of players who have played the game from start to finish, right? Yep. But how many of this vast body of games that you have are of players who have picked up a dead position? And how is a game, how is an AI going to learn how to play a dead position of players starting from? A starting position. Yep. So uh, it's just it's something that really just popped into my mind then. It's a, it's a different kind of starting point that the AI has to extrapolate. Um, I totally agree. It's something I hadn't actually thought about, to be honest. So um, you're you're right. It's it's bloody hard when you pick up a, a position that's usually CD because uh, often when that happens, the country's already on the more often than not it's on its way out and that presents a whole heap of different challenges for how you do it I actually thought of something 
after the interview, which was, well, what happens if they do this too well? And in fact, the AI is better than the average player and too good, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is, 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 that, is that then disadvantage? Or is it something that you choose during game creation? Do yeah. I, do I want AI to take over? Or even to the point where, how do you negotiate with an AI? Yeah. Oh, that was touched on. Yep. Um, but as to whether to allow it or not, because you're going to have players who try their hardest to negotiate with an AI and maybe get better results from continuously ticking the box with yep. that AI. Then I, I just think um, it's something that will, and, and it's got great potential. Um, I think there need to be a few play tests. Oh, over yeah. That. Thank you, Tom. Nacho, Nacho, man. Having said that, definitely worthwhile taking um, that body of games and using it for the power of good. Is it, is it, is it like, um, or can we take it too far? Does it turn into a Skynet kind of scenario where the AI bots rule? the game regardless of when they join <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah we soon find out that all over at play dip you know Conk gets knocked off as being number one player and says being replaced by player 115679992 so that was something that jumped out of my mind jumped out of being um, a pretty cool thing on the back burner um, that Super Tipsy's working on. The other thing I thought was really interesting was the when he initially described it again, I misinterpreted it, and that was about notifications that can be sent to your phone. And particularly useful, I, I agree with what he raised, which is like if you're an hour out from uh, the end of a game phase and you haven't submitted orders, and you obviously you've forgotten about it, or you've had something else that's popped up and you whatever's happened in your life then you go shit so it gives you a chance to be able to submit orders rather than actually miss out on NMR or CD I think players will start relying on it though I wouldn't have thought so I wouldn't I think it's a, it's good it's a good insurance policy but I don't, wouldn't use it as my primary way of managing my games you'd have to also be um smart enough about it so maybe based on your time zone it knows that okay don't give you a one hour warning if it's 3am yeah, because you're in yeah. Australia and 3am is a normal time in America yeah. um, can you configure the system instead to say right this game is going to be at 3am it's now inform me at 9 o'clock 9pm you know local time yeah. saying you've got a game that's due in six hours you haven't submitted anything I don't know to be honest that's when most of my CDs come from oh 3am yeah I've, I've literally gone yep I've got 12 hours to go and then something happens in the evening and I forget about it and it falls at 3 o'clock in the morning and I slept through it yep that, that's um, it's a time zone issue yeah full intention of answering or putting in orders uh, prior to going to bed but you know sometimes you know that extra can of beer or 
whatever just sort of makes you forget, doesn't it? So sometimes it does. <laughs> Love it. Um, disillusion. Yeah. The fact that well, this is a very naive play, mm. but everyone I've spoken to who has played it, yourself included, um, seems to really enjoy. It. Yeah, yeah, and Captain Meme, who's played it as well, loves it. So, um, the fact that Dipsy thinks it can be coded is his view of, well, if it's software or anything can be coded. So, um, I think that would be very, very promising. And it's the type of game that's been playtested a little bit now, so, and there's been a lot of variation in the outcome, which I think yeah. gives an in- indicator that it's reasonably balanced. Although you, you were mentioning it was. Um one of the powers seems to do reasonably well. Oh, that was just in the, the one game I was in and the game I think that um, Captain Meme was in. I don't know if that's the case for all Has the games that have finished yet? Sorry? Has that finished yet? It's on about a time. Yeah, but we'll talk about that in um, the next the next yeah. episode. Yeah. So that's exciting. You know, another addition to uh, the family of variants coming up. Um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it, Andy, in the sense that... How unusual. Um, no, 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 like, like, okay, but I can appreciate it. Is that, in my point of view, if there's a variant and then there's variants on variants, and there's all sorts of, you know, different options to choose to create games which you would like to run in my point of view allowing for those options to be optionable and saying okay it's all it's all all a big sandbox have fun go for it in my point of view I, I, I prefer that approach to the approach however much I appreciate and understand where they're coming from of restricting some of those sandbox elements from games. So how are you disagreeing with me? What are you disagreeing with me about? Right, not with you. I'm disagreeing with... Oh. Um, when, 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 well, yeah, it, that, that, that play dip does restrict the amount of options that are available to players as opposed to what is actually available in the code to be able to allow players to choose from. Can you be more specific because I don't follow you? Okay, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. What do you want to come back to it later? No, um, you guys are talking about, at one stage, um, various different options that you could code in to game creation mm-hmm. at the time of creation, and, um, and we talk, I think I raised the issue about whether there's too many options that might be available then, and whether that complicates things too much. Is that what you mean? That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is that I, I think, from my point of view, I like the anarchy of just a, a total sandbox. People can create the sort of game they want to create, and if there's enough interest, enough people will join it. So I'll use but an example to kind of appreciate and understand 
I, I think why I, that's not necessarily desirable. I think that's already available though. That um, there is many, many different options, and part of that was following from this discussion with with um, Dipsy. Now I may happen to be, and in fact, are a, um, um, have a uh, organised a, a premium membership on on Playdip. So I have signed up for two games, both Versailles games. Neither of which I've started yet. And you're absolutely keen on the first side. So keen on this side. And surprisingly, when I went for looking for new games over there, probably the most common game that was trying to be started up was a Versailles game. Oh, yeah? Which is great. Actually, one thing is a challenge I found, and this is no different really to probably WebDip and, and VDip as well, was most of the games I wanted to play were categorised as being quote-unquote ambassadors only. So that's like a class where you've been able to prove that you're a, um, a reliable diplomacy play, not going to CD and MNMR all the time. So I was restricted to a couple of games that didn't have that as an option. And on your, on your question around different um, options, options mm-hmm. I created a game which was just basic. I wanted to kind of see how Versailles worked in a normal standard press environment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of the games that were available were, that would have been created with gunboat games. And I wanted to see how the dynamics worked with the whole conversation. So that if you are France and you happen to have your minor power as Czechoslovakia, What's it feel like to be able to have those conversations as, as a minor player and, and, and the subterfuge involved in that? But the second game that I joined up was actually an existing game, um, what's like a game someone else had already created, and it's about to start. And I think it kind of contradicts what you talked about when it comes to the flexibility, because, okay, not only is it a Versailles game, um, you can kind of set, obviously, whoever created it can set how long the phases are, how long the retreat period is, how long the build period is, um, whether it's um, standard press, public press, gunboat, they've gone for gunboat, that's cool. They've gone for Versailles, that's cool. But then on top of that, they then added, and this is what attracted me to this particular game, there's also the Age of Empires variant on top of Versailles. What's the Age of Empires? So that's the one where you start with only one SC. So if you're France, oh, right. yep. you get to choose where you're going to be on the board. I don't know how that works with the minor powers. That'll be interesting. Um, and on top of that again, it's fog of war. Huh. So okay. I don't think there's too many limitations in what's available at the moment within Playdip. Um, and that's probably why I raised that issue about, well, if you have too many, many, many options, does that kind of create issues? But, okay, so... Uh, yeah. So neither of the games I've signed up for have started yet, but hopefully they do soon. Because I really want to experience Versailles. How would Versailles work as a gunboat? You're just like, you're, you're a main power plus a random smaller power and you're not communicating with anyone anyway so it's well the only reason I signed up for it is because it was the only one that looked like it was going to start soon and also I just needed to build up my um, um, 
experience within play, if so I can play ambassador only games. I'm nodding. Yep. And I'm chewing. <laughs> so anyway, we'll see how that one all goes. How's your games going at the moment, Kana? Uh, I'm in one at the bit moment. Bit of around the grounds. Uh, I'm in one game at the moment. One game? One game. Only one game. Because I think last time we caught up, you said you were going to play more games because you'll be on holiday soon. Yes. I was, I'm playing more games than I was there. Well, one opposed, as opposed to zero. That's right. Yeah. No, so I'm, I'm, I'm... And you are organising face-to-face stuff as well, so I can't kind of complain too much about that. Actually, I had an idea for a, uh, a variant. Oh, did you? Mm. What's that one? Uh, it's slightly less ambitious uh, than the uh, Mongolian variant, mm. um, but it's set around that particular period of Black Death. You know, I, I really do like that idea of there being a massive die-off of units. Yeah. On a board. Um, so thirteen forty-six. Europe, black Europe, black death in Europe or something, you know, and so you'd have your, your Holy Roman Empire, you'd have various Italian city-states, you know, you've got the French and the English starting off with, you know, Khan, just, just the start of the Hundred Years' War, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some Viking kingdoms. I reckon it'd be quite interesting for starting so there's no So there's no Mongols in this one or not? Um, yeah, no. Let's call that no. It's, it's based around Europe. Europe, yeah. So Although, start- I mean, strictly speaking, the first recorded thing of the Black Death in Europe is the Kappa, which is when the Mongolians threw plague-stricken bodies, corpses over the walls mm-hmm. um, on that city, the Black Sea. So. Yeah, maybe maybe there is an element of the Mongols, but I think you know they they, they never really went further west because of you know. Um, Did the Mongols get all into dying and they all to go back Romania to, and all that type of area and Russia and they're in Russia, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where the Golden Horde ended up setting themselves up. They did do. They they did have a massive. Um, we went through the Victory. Ukraine. Was it the Hungarians and the Polish knights? Was it Teutonic knights? I have to double check it. But there was a big victory there. Um, but then they had to. They, they, they just sort of turned east because uh, one well, it was Ogadai or one of those Khans died and they returned back. They couldn't mm. push it further. Anyway, yeah, but that was my idea for, for a variant, you know. Instead of doing like large areas like the Mongolian one, which I'm, you know, still two minds about. Actually breaking it down and making it more European-centric for the Black Death. So you what, you'd do the same type of thing, you'd start off with X number of units and that half of them or two-thirds of them would die off in the first year. Yeah. 
So everyone starts with eight units, but the most you could end up with is four, so you know. So you are in one game. Are you able to talk about the game or not? Uh, it's gunboat. Oh, okay. Um, that doesn't mean anything. It's Youngstown. Um, it's a very oh, is it anonymous as well? It's anonymous. Oh, so you can't really talk about it. I can't really talk about it. Right. How about yourself? What are you in at the moment? Um, I'm in a few games actually. I um actually I happen to be in a Youngstown gunboat anonymous game as well. It's a good thing we're not talking about it then. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, one day until uh, orders are due. I don't know about you. Probably the same. <laughs> so, tell me how your disunited, divided states game is going. Right. Disunited, oh, ununited, uh, uh, you know, ununited states of America, or which one? Mm. Actually, ununited states. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one that you used to be talk in. about in the next one? Um, oh, because Captain Meme and I talk about it in the book. Okay, out of the bag there. <laughs> sure. Okay, so you're in Youngstown. You're in Divided States. What else are you in there, Andy? Um, I am in, I think, two other games. Yeah. One's just a standard um, run-of-the-mill gunboat game. It's a straight classic, straight gunboat. Really? Yeah. Just felt like... I was, I was actually, when I was away overseas, but I've got my games down to two games, and I found, provided I just maybe threw in, you know, one or two gunboat games, and I could probably manage that. So I am in a... An anonymous um, gunboat classic game at the moment, which I started okay in. It's currently 1903, and unless things radically change, I think I'll be out of the game by about 1905, 1906. I'll, I'll bring this up for you're not in that game, obviously, because you said you weren't. Oh, just knocked the thing over. Is it still going? Is it going? Uh, yeah, it's still going. Good, still going. Yep. Okay. Oh, that's the one. Yep. So I started by um, so being very belligerent say, at the beginning. We safe to say that um, this game will be over in four weeks. Oh, from from actual the timing of recording. Yeah. I reckon I'll be out the door by then. All right. I think so, but you don't know. You might manage to turn around. Who cares? Who knows? So what country are you playing? It's anonymous. Can't talk about. Ugh. Well, I'm not in it. I know, but the, the audience is listening. Oh. Okay, alright. So, how'd you start off on this? Um, as I said, I started very belligerently. <laughs> very aggressively. And how's that working out? Working I followed out a you. similar strategy I've done once before, which worked wonders. But, um, and I thought it was going to go well, until the, um, the player on my other flank decided to stab me instead of being a good neighbour and staying where he should have been. 
you know, it's been long since I've played a, a you know a bog standard game of uh, diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Right, and I reckon I really ought to join one, given that there's a tournament in Melbourne that we'll be going to in March. I feel like I need to um, bone up on my skills. Yeah. Okay. I recommend not a gunboat game. Full press. Well, if you're trying to go bone up on your skills. Yeah. It's skills in writing or skills in, you know, the, the, the strategy? Hmm. Not the strategy, I would have thought. So if it's just the strategy, then... But the strategy is involving in the communication, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I know you're trying to limit your time. Hey, um, were you putting together... Were you GMing or putting together something recently? Was it another course, or...? Uh, no, but having said that, was that the Captain Meme interview? Yes. Hold that one. Hold that one, yeah. <laughs> I'd Getting like to put together, off again. Yeah, yeah, I'm off again. I'd like to put together another Sopwith game. Oh, by the way, if you haven't worked out yet, the next interview is with Captain, with Captain Meme in yeah. two weeks' time. Yeah. Um, having said that, I'd I would like to put together another Sopwith game. Mm -hmm. they're, they're fun. I enjoyed those. Yeah, I think if I had more time, I'd probably be interested in doing something like a Google Translate game. Yeah, though Google's gotten so good now, yeah, hasn't it's, it? It's not as yeah. dumb as it used to be. Yep. Maybe Bing Translate. <laughs> Do they have something? I don't know. Maybe Google terrible translators and then um, use that. It's not a bad idea. Because I remember the, the best fun with those Google Translate games was the one where you actually there was actually a, a one that did it ten times for you. Yeah, back that and forth, best. back and forth, back yeah. and forth, ten times. That, that we got better. some hilarious results. You know, I remember I, I was playing Russia on one of them. It's like, uh, let me into the Baltic Sea, or else I'll make it hard for you. And it came out something along the lines of. If you imperialistic fool don't let me into Baltic, I'd butt fuck your mother or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is yeah? But you know, rules are rules. You just cut, cut and copy and paste. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so we need to yeah. kind of get something that's going to do some wonderful. I, th either. I think we need to have some fun games, hey? Bit of fun, like not not most so serious and so based around winning and losing, but games which are more um, yeah, just for the fun of it, just for laughs. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, they're, they're good too. No, I agree. And so, the Google Translate games are perfect. Absolutely. So, I think I'm in one other game, but I can't find it. Where is it? Oh, it just ended. Oh. Ended last night, I didn't even know. What game was that? Um, that's the Imperial Diplomacy 2 game that I've been in for quite a while. I remember that one that... Um, you made fun of me a number of episodes back because I didn't realise it was unranked when I joined it. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> and I think we eventually... It's like a five-day phase. Oh, God. I was playing Russia. Well, people just ended up drawing just to finish it, did they? Pretty much. So I came second. Oh, yeah? Second? Well, not that it matters. It's unrated. 
That's right. Um, so, the interesting thing about this one, if it was rated, my gameplay would be a little bit different. Not immediately. Because... You got it there? Yeah, uh, no, no, it's not it. So this is Imperial. <clears throat> Where, um, and I'll create links in the show notes and whatever like that. Yeah. So, um, I had, at time of drawing, 35 supply centres. Pollen was coming first with 42 supply centres. Uh, and next was... You're playing Russia. Turkey at 29. Okay. So, realistically, if this was a ranked game, I probably wouldn't have drawn so early. Kept on pushing into China and... Well, China's pretty much dead. Yeah, that's still... The issue is... Continue to push into Prussia and then start working out a strategy to get as best as I could across to um, CSA. I'd actually put out an olive branch to the CSA if this was a real game. Actually, I had. About, uh, well, you know, we have to keep fighting. We need to think about the longer term aspect because realistically, to win this game, I would need to at some stage stab Holland. Yeah. And to do that, though, I would need to kind of flip sides a bit. But even then... Still, a win's recorded on your, um, your stats. Well, it's not a win. It's recorded as a win. Even it's unranked. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you just don't get points for it. Oh. What's a draw? It's recorded as a draw. That's alright. That's still alright. But realistically, before I stabbed Holland, I probably would have stabbed Turkey. Turkey? So which one's the grey one here? The turkey. Grey's Turkey, eh? Because Turkey's too easily exposed. It's too hard to actually stab on in his current position than where I am. And I've actually basically needed Holland earlier on in the um, the fight I was having in the Americas against um, So Holland's Mexico this light, CSI. light blue Yeah, teal blue. Yeah. So who's this dark blue character? Uh, that's this England. sitting in... England sitting in Holland. Okay. No one wants to remove him? Well, he was um, not very conversant. Hmm. And I think we just got to a stage where, actually we're just waiting for him to put in the bloody draw order. Finish it off. Yeah, finish it off. So, um... Oh, congratulations on your draw. Yeah. Good that one's over now. We that was taking a while. Dorito Junkie. Player 5, Kato Fekafa, Stalin 813, Ingebot, Haywood J. Blomey, Lady Victory, Watt 1881, Cor Wenton, and that's it. That's it. And Ambi. And Ambi, of course. Yeah. Alright, so, there you go. What else is happening around the grounds? That's about it. Because you said, you know, we're not going to talk about the Divided States game yet. We can't talk about that. That's got to be the next episode. Okay. Yeah. Next episode, you're on. Yeah. I was going to tell a joke, but I don't know if it's really joke time, is it? Oh, go on. You hit us with a joke. I haven't got any jokes. I don't know if I told you this one before. We'll soon find out. If right. we have, we'll just edit it out. So, lady goes into, well, that could be a guy, goes into a green grocer. And the greengrocer's there. Did I tell this one? No? Maybe. 
says, I want half a dozen kiwi fruit, a pan of tomatoes. Oh, wrong, so I fucked it up. This is the one where they someone kill someone? No, 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 no. no. Like the, in the assassin? A... No, 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 no. Oh, oh, so, so she wants to kill someone she'll... for two melons or something? No, no, it's not that one. It's not that one. No. Okay, all right. Because yeah. that started off in a grocery store as well. It did too, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I'll have half a dozen kiwi fruit, um, a watermelon, and um, some tomatoes. Okay. And the uh, green grasser goes, I can do the kiwi fruit, I can do the watermelon, but I've got no tomatoes. She goes, okay, no problem. Okay. So, um, I'll get some zucchini, um, a couple of ears of corn, and some tomatoes. Okay. He goes, no, no, no. I'm sorry, I don't have any tomatoes. I can do the others, but no tomatoes. Okay, cool. That's no problem at all. Um, so I'll have some cucumbers, some apples, and uh, some tomatoes. <laughs> he goes, look, lady. Are you listening to me? I don't have any tomatoes. Anyway, she tries again. I'm not going to bore you with all the other shit. And finally he goes, look, listen to me. If you take the pot out of potato, what do you have? Eight. Yes. If you take the kin out of the pumpkin, what do you have? Pump. Yes. If you take the fuck out of the tomatoes, what do you have? And she goes, there's no fucking tomatoes. And he goes, that's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> yep, that's a good one. I like it. I approve. Excellent. Good, good. Well, we'll wrap this one up. Yep. And, and we'll be back in two weeks with interview with Captain Meme. Yep. And thank you, Super Dipsy, for um, catching up with Ambie in London. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. All right. See ya. Bye. Cheers.